Good afternoon and welcome to the Don't Blink Jiu-Jitsu podcast. I'm your host, Israel Vasquez. I am a BJJ practitioner based in Belize. Um, and today I have a spe- very special guest, uh, Professor Chris Ponfoco. He's a BJJ black belt, uh, originally from Canada, recently moved to Belize. Professor, welcome to this podcast and also welcome to Belize. Thank you very much, Israel. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks a lot for welcoming me onto this. I mean, it's uh, it's great to be into in a different country and people just to, you know, I got here. You had messaged me on Facebook. I was like, hey, cool. Like this is this is great because obviously I love Brazilian jiu-jitsu and martial arts, and I see that with with you as well. And um, yeah, so just a little bit of background on me. I, I got my black belt from Omar Salvosa, Professor Omar Salvosa from uh, he's from Canada. He got his from Master Marcus Soares, and Marcus got his from from uh, Carlson Gracie directly. So uh, I'm of the Carlson Gracie lineage. Uh, the team I'm on is Team Ascension, and but we do compete internationally under a couple of different names. Oftentimes Carlson Gracie, oftentimes uh, Team Soares, and sometimes One Blood. So um, obviously the past year has been been uh, pretty terrible because of COVID. There hasn't been any tournaments. Uh, other than, well, there's been a couple of IBJJF ones in Florida, but yeah, and uh, yeah, I've been uh, doing Muay Thai for 20 years. I've coached uh, a couple hundred matches in MMA and uh, several fighters. It's uh, it's exciting to be here, and uh, my goal here, I really want to uh, help Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu come to the forefront and become, you know, a big deal here in Belize. Uh, thank you, and I mean, that was my initial thought, right, in connecting with you, it's like I like I mentioned before, Belize is very small, and as far as I know, you're the only uh, black belt in Belize or living in Belize. You know, um, it's wonderful for the community because you know, for the first time, we will have some some sort of structured uh, training. Hopefully, in the future, um, with yourself, you know, leading an academy of that sort, maybe. Um, for like 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 I have said before, for right now, what we've done is very little. Just learning on ourselves. Seminars when people come down, you know, we have we've had some black belts come into the country and so on. So the idea, you know, behind all this, you know, connecting with you and doing this is that we can help the community, you know, on on a on a higher level and hoping to reinvigorate everything that is going on with combat sports not only you know here in belize in the region i mean it's worldwide right with the pandemic it's worldwide we have been closed down for a year but we are hoping that we can see the light at the uh, at the end of the tunnel soon here yeah um you know I, i'm excited i think i think bjj and combat sports is going to come back to belize faster than it's going to come back to canada um and yeah, as far as the way it is here, I, I have a lot of respect for what you guys are doing here. Uh, I was a trailblazer in my area in Canada. Similar to you, I opened up a school when I was a blue belt. Like I had already had my Japanese jiu-jitsu black belt. Um, but yeah, you know, you do what you have to. I sought out my professor. He was up in Toronto, at least the same country. But when I talk to my professor, Omar, when he started in Canada, um, like he, he's he's born and bred in Canada, but uh, Master Soares was out in British Columbia. He was the first black belt to get to Canada, and that was in um, 1996. So uh, Omar, he had to go through similar things like with you, where he had to wait for you know Marcus to do a seminar or whatever BJJ black belt was around. And when when I got started in 2001, which isn't that far off, that far much after, is same deal. We would wait for you know, a, uh, a black belt to come in for a seminar. The school I was in uh, affiliated with RGDA, which is Gracie Moita. And um, yeah, and it was same deal though, right? It was small town. You only get to see the professor. So you're learning what you can. And we didn't even have YouTube. So... <laughs> right, that, that was in the 90s, right? The YouTube wasn't really that popular at the time. Yeah. Um, which brings me to the next point, you know, I just wanted to talk a little bit about myself and the podcast and why, you know, um, like I said, it's um, it, it just when the pandemic started, you know, um, I don't know if it happened to you, but it, 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 I kind of realized that I was a little bit burnt out. You know, I had been doing a lot, um, you know, with the teaching I had been doing um, um, 
also we run a little promotion here in Belize called Pro FC MMA. So we have been doing events. You know, we had um, Ayak is an MMA matchmaker as well. So we have been doing events, getting all that together, the logistics. Plus, of course, working because everything else that we do is just really our pastime, right? So at, the, at that point, I've, I felt burnt out. I felt like, you know, um, the pandemic changed a lot of things for me. You know, um, I realized that um, I was doing too much. Um, I needed to scale down. Um, and the break came very welcome for me, <laughs> so to speak. It's only been recently that I started thinking and saying, you know, what's, what's a good way to, you know, get started back in the community, get, get the community going again. And I decided that probably a podcast would be a good thing, um, you know, to, to reach not only the community, but others that might have interest in combat sports, but haven't really tried it. You know, people that are saying, oh, I love the UFC, but I don't ever see myself doing that. Maybe jiu-jitsu is an alternative to them for that, right? So um, that's how it started. Um, don't blink. Jiu-jitsu is kind of uh, uh, a little running joke with my son. My son is um, nine years old, but he has been training jiu-jitsu for a little while. Um, and, um, you know, we were going to a competition one day and he was like, you guys better not blink because I'm going to get that submission real quick. <laughs> you know, and that was, that was funny coming from him, right? Just a kid, four years old. Um, he did get the submission. So, you know, that, <laughs> that was that was good. That was funny. And that's where Don't Blink came from. You don't blink jiu-jitsu. Um, I also like to think that, you know, it's a, it's a style of jiu-jitsu that I can, that, that I've, begun developing myself so to speak and um, i've used it to teach the kids it's very concept based because like i said we don't have a um an official curriculum so to speak right so it's just stuff that i've been learning myself and been teaching the kids that's how we've been doing just basically teaching them the basics right yeah um well it all starts with the kids right the you know, it's interesting how you said how you were burned out uh, before the pandemic. Um, it, it's a little bit of a different story on, on my end. It's my academy was open for uh, 12 years. We were in our 13th year. We were a big academy. I had lots of great students. Um, and COVID just shut my business down. And it just it just became too frustrating. And um, I, I saw it like the, the financial issues with having to pay a big time rent with being closed as well as you know students supporting you and you're trying to do your best to go online there's a fine line where there's it's just enough is enough and when we saw that the second lockdown was about to happen in canada um i just i didn't want to damage my reputation with trying to stay open some more and trying to fulfill obligations that um that I would have to promise again going through that. Uh, like Toronto went into a 28 day lockdown at the beginning of November. They're still in lockdown, right? So um, it, it was just a lot, it was, it was very difficult. This, this, this transition has been very hard for me. I had to close my academy, um, you know, say goodbye to my students. I know a lot of them are gonna end up coming down here uh, to train, but still the, you know, moving down here, it was, it was a big decision that my wife and I made. We just made it for our family. It was prior to that. I mean, every decision that we had made was what's best for the academy. And uh, COVID, it, it had did have its blessings in disguise as my child was born during it. And, um, you know, at the same time, it was uh, Blaine and I, Blaine is my wife, as she and I got a, had the opportunity to um, think a little bit selfishly, say, okay, instead of what's best for the academy at this point, what's best for our family? And uh, what we saw was best for our family was to unfortunately have to close our academy and, um, you know, just uproot our lives and come down here to Belize just to get uh, to get a fresh start. Right. Mm -hmm. but, and, well, and what you're saying, sorry, about the um, about starting with kids programs and with the adults and, and with MMA, you know, that might not be for me is. Uh, you know, it, when you see a country like Belize, it's a small country. I mean, the, the size of this country, the, the population is the same population as the region where, the Niagara region in Canada where I'm from. 
And, um, you know, to start MMA, you have to have a really strong grassroots martial arts culture, right? Right. And, Mm -hmm. of course, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the foundation of MMA. Uh, we got to build this community. And when people associate MMA with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, because that's how the, the Gracies got right. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu mm-hmm. popular. Um, mm-hmm. You have to understand that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is for everybody, right? If someone doesn't want to step into a cage and fight, if they never want to right. step onto the mats and compete, I mean, you're learning a fantastic martial art. I mean, I'm, of course, I'm biased. It's the best martial art you can learn. Um, it's great for self-defense, and anybody can do it, and it's safe. It's, the, it's one of the only martial arts that you can practice mm-hmm. full speed and not get hurt. Right. Exactly. All right. So um, that's what I found in Jiu-Jitsu as well. Along the way, you know, we, we kind of decided to do more and do more in uh, MMA. I come from an MMA background um, where I started. It's really, it wasn't, it, it isn't really an academy per se, but more of a club that was started by a group of guys. And one, um, one particular guy was a pastor, Joel. He was, he was originally from the U.S. He came down. Um, he had some wrestling coaching experience, and you know that's how he got started. Um, and then I saw that you know what, the same thing that you're saying. Not everybody might want to do jujitsu, uh, you know. And a couple of years after, we started doing some gi jujitsu. But of course, um, they had been doing no gi jujitsu for a while, right? Um, uh, we did that, and that developed quickly into us uh, starting a social project for kids along with a couple other guys from, from my team, um, so as to reach out to the community and help you know, the kids, give, give them an outlet um, to you know, release some of that stress, some of that um, angst. And uh, we've, we had been doing that for about two years or so before the pandemic started. Um, uh, we've gotten a lot of help from the wider jiu-jitsu community as well, not just community here in Belize. Um, so it's been great. It's been a good run. Um, but like you said, the pandemic changed a lot of things. What I wanted to go back to that about is why Belize? I know um, I know you guys, um, like you said, you had everything set up in Canada. It was, it was, you had a big academy going. You had a lot of students. What made you decide... Um, that Belize was the right place? Um, good question. My wife and I, we actually had a retirement plan um, where we wanted to come here. Now, that was supposed to be in like five to ten years, not um, not right now. Like we're not, re- we're not retired. We, uh, I've my, I have my corporation, by the way, approved. It's done. I, I can open up here in Belize now. Um, but uh, we chose Belize for a few reasons. Uh, we did our research. We've been to the Caribbean on vacations before. We absolutely love it here. Uh, if you've been to a Canadian winter, you're, you're, you can kind of understand why the, the Caribbean is so appealing. But uh, Belize is it's a, it's a British Commonwealth country, so we're familiar with how things work because Canada is a British Commonwealth country. Right. Um, you speak English here. The you know I did my my due diligence. It is a relatively safe country, just you know, despite you know the the internet saying that it's not. Obviously, like there's issues in every country, and um, there's there's an area that's unsafe and gang violence. And you know what? It, it, people say you know if I went to to the city here in Belize and ended up in the wrong spot, wrong spot at the wrong time, it's it's not a good mm-hmm. place to be. I mean, that's that's right. fundamental self defense right there. Don't be right. in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. And you know, if I'm in if I'm in even the Niagara region, there's certain areas that in up in Canada, there's certain areas I'm not going to go to late at night. There's certain bars I'm not going to go to. There's certain areas of Toronto that you know certain times of day I'm, I'm not going to go to. It doesn't matter where you go, you're going to run into these issues. And so Belize. Um, I, I just saw it as, as a place to come to kind of get off the grid. I do like that part of Belize. It, it's still one of those countries that's um, it's not part of the IMF. It's it's a little it's 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 off the grid. And we came here for seven days back at the end of December just to check the place out and see what we think. And we uh, got to Placencia and we just fell in love with the place pretty quick. I mean, the people are the people are cool. The um, you know the, the the expats here; they're all right too. The it's it's pretty safe. I've got my you know the, my cross training that I do. It's a great place for that because I like to do mm-hmm. Ironman, so I can mm-hmm. swim and bike and run wherever I want. 
and um, you know, there's there's some other issues why I wanted to leave Canada. But this isn't a political podcast, so I don't want to talk. About right, it. right, right. There's a lot of things about Belize that I that I like <clears throat> that Canada is not doing now, and um, and, and I, certain things that are happening in Canada that I just cannot support, and I just. I felt that it was the best decision for um, my wife and I to move our family here to raise our child the way we want to. So. Right, which is great. Um, and to your point, uh, I I don't like discussing too much about politics. You know, politics, religion, uh, pizza and pineapple. You know, topics that tend to be a little bit polarizing for people. Um, but. Um, you bring up a good point because um, I have also seen that a lot of people um, have been dissatisfied with, with you know, specifically Canada. I, I follow um, uh, Faris Zahabi with the TriStars gym, I think he's called. It's, it's called. Uh, he was a coach of um, um, GSP, Jarson Pair. Um, and he expressed a lot, he has a podcast as well, which is available on YouTube. Good guy to follow, a lot of good techniques he shares, and he even does some philosophy philosophical topics um, and uh, he expressed dissatisfaction as well with Canada. In Belize it's been kind of like, okay, we know it's tough and it's tough around the world um, and there has been some dissatisfaction, but what would you say is the major difference between, you know, what you saw there in Canada and what you're seeing here in Belize in, as to regards to the pandemic and, of course, the BJJ community or the combat sports community as a whole? Well, um, we did a lot of good work in Ontario over the past uh, 10, 15 years in, in combat sports, that's for sure. I mean, the combat sports scene up, up there is, is outstanding. There's a reason why there's, you, you see there's a lot of uh, quality uh, from Ontario. Um, the difference with the pandemic is just the size of the government. Canada is moving in a direction that uh, is, in, in my opinion, and I have, I have a degree in history with a focus on the, the dangerous ideologies from the 19th century. And uh, Canada is moving in a direction that's, that's pretty scary. And um, mm. People are sacrificing their freedoms and they don't even understand it. And it's not just whether you're wearing a mask or not. It's uh, free speech is dying. God doesn't exist in Canada anymore, right? Like mm. it's almost like um, you know, I'm not a I'm not a very religious person outwardly, but I am inwardly, and um, I just see there's 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 some things being done um, socially that are completely contrary to what they're trying to to accomplish because it's essentially. Um, they're trying to create a hive mind which is happening and people are starting to lose their independence politically speaking I'm what's called a libertarian uh, libertarians are basically you do you, I'll do me let's, let's keep it cool, right? I don't really mind um, you know, what your political leanings are and that's fine, you can exist and we can have conversations right. it's gotten to the point now where um, and it's in the U.S. as well, whereas if your opinion isn't exactly what the government tells you what it's supposed to be, um, all of a sudden you're a bad person. Because it's strange, because this pretend resistance that's in Canada and the U.S., well, since when has the resistance supported the mainstream media and the government? Right, right. right? That's how much cognitive dissonance is happening there. And, um, you know, it, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's not good. It's it's there's there's there's, uh, I, in my opinion, a mental disease happening up there. Here okay. and here, I find that people are more, um, they're they are more libertarian. Like they're more just they're so busy just trying to get get through their days and pay their bills and feed their families and stuff. They're they're not occupied with things that don't matter, right? So, and trying to force those things that don't matter. Right. And I asked just because, you know, we have our perspectives here in Belize. And a lot of times I think we don't understand the wider perspective, you know, going on in other countries like, you know, Canada, the U.S. and that kind of thing. So, you know, while we have, um, you know, we've we've had some uh, issues as well, you know, um, I, I think we 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 are a little better off than other places is what I think. So, 
Um, that's just why I asked about that, and I'm hoping that it continues to get better, right? I mean, that's that's the only thing we can do. I think right now what we're all looking forward is for the reopening of um, uh, basically the entire economy, but also in particular them allowing us to train combat sports. We haven't been training for a year now. Um, you know, we we can't hold combat sports events right now. Um, it's still illegal. But we are hearing that there's some light at the end of the tunnel, so that's good. Um, do you have any thoughts in regards to, to, you know, where we would, you know, or where would be a place where we can go to get started, you know, when it comes to combat sports? What, what will be, you know, the steps that we should take to, you know, reopen? It's, it's basically like a fresh beginning. It's like starting all over. Yeah, you know what? Um... That's a good question because I've got some a question back for that is because I was involved with getting um, MMA legalized uh, early around 2009-2011 in amateur sport and there was just a big um, people didn't understand the difficulty of what we had to go through to get it and it kind of fell upon it it fell in it fell in on itself and there's still no amateur MMA allowed in Ontario. Now, uh, but there was back then, but the laws changed. There's a new law that came in. Now, they actually made jujitsu illegal in 2017 in Ontario because it all came down to things called uh, provincial sporting organizations and national sporting organizations that are coupled with international ones. And because jujitsu isn't uh, an Olympic sport, it, it was kind of hard to get that all set up. We, we did get it done with some help from my wife was one of the key players. Um, but there's some really good people back in Canada who I'm hoping that will come down here to visit um, who did get in that go. So my question to you is, do you guys have a ministry of sport and a representative that you, that you speak with? Yes, we do. We do have a ministry of sports. It's called Ministry of Sports, Youth and Culture. Um, you know, so they, they, they're supposed to encompass not only sports, but also youth and, you know, development of the, the youth programs and the cultural aspect of it as well. Okay. All right. So that, that actually is very similar to the, the setup. See, that's what I meant about coming to Belize compared to Canada. Right. The, 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 the history is not exactly the same, but the British Commonwealth, they're going to have a lot of similarities. So uh, with that... Is there anyone who's spoken with this this rep? Is there is there a, a jujitsu committee? Is there a martial arts committee? What 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 is the status of that in beliefs? There is no official uh, government but gov or governing body. Um, we have in the past tried to set up uh, you know an MMA federation, um, but it's it's never really taken off per se, as you know, as an official or recognized body. Um, we have um, an official, if you want to say, if you want to call it that, an official people that reach out and speak to them. And, you know, myself, um, a couple other guys that I know, Silvino Rivera, who I've done work with, he, he has been talking to the ministry as well to see where we are with getting things back going. But there is no official or recognized body at this point that I, 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 that I could say Okay, these are the guys that are lobbying for the community. Yeah, see that. Um, sadly, you know, it'd be really nice to to just let everything, you know, just roll out and let people be, right? Like I said, right. before, I'm a libertarian. Uh, the thing is, government always wants structure, right? And the the, the best thing that you can combat uh, another shutdown with with combat sport is, or at least delay it if something were to happen. Who knows, right? is to have a committee that speaks with the government because they want to see responsible people. They also want to see safety in sport, right? So, um, you know, they want to make sure that everything is organized correctly. So I'm going to give a little example from Ontario with COVID. So it was two days before um, my tournament because uh, uh, it was a tournament that I was partnered with. Uh, called Next Gen uh, Next Generation Jiu Jitsu BJJ competitions, fantastic tournaments. We ran the one in Niagara, uh, and that's where where my school was. And we were supposed to be on March twelfth, twenty twenty. That was our tournament. We had seven hundred fifty entries. It was looking like it was going to be great. Like it, right. it, we were set. 
Ontario is set up. We've got great referees. The head referee is awesome. He sets everything up. He's from the. He, he's with the committee that sets things up, and we're really good at running tournaments. Now the um, we had to close that. We had to shut that tournament down two days before we ran it. We had to cancel it because of COVID, and that was that was the first tournament that got canceled before. There hasn't been a tournament since. Right. Now we were allowed to reopen last year on June thirtieth. But the rules, I didn't open my academy until August because the rules were you can't touch each other. And we were already running an online program. Like We were one of the only schools to run a really clean online program. But it was like, what's the difference between going to the school and staring at each other in a room when there can only be 10 of you and you can't touch? But this is the right. example of what happens, right? So we were able to actually be around. In August, we, we that's when we opened, we were actually allowed to have someone from our social bubble. Ontario had a 10-person social bubble. So we were able to, to drill, not roll, but we could drill. Now, I mean, let's face it, the, the way the way I drill with BJJ is virtually rolling, right? Like it's, you know, you've got the task, accomplish the task, stop, reset, right? And you work it out for whatever techniques you're working on that day. And then come September, we got, that got shut down again. So we had one month where we could, where we could actually touch somebody. It had to be like one partner, that's it right and september all of a sudden now we're back to the 10 people again and i saw the writing on the wall i knew it was going to happen again and um yeah so and then combat sports got shut down basically again at the beginning of september for jiu-jitsu because we really we couldn't touch each other and then the, the whole province got got shut down again just after christmas so it's a long story short is to have a committee speaking directly with the government gives you the opportunity where the government can say, okay, well, you need this protocol, you need this protocol, you need this protocol, right? Just like restaurants, just like anything else. Martial arts are business just like anything else, and they need to run that way, right? So um, when the government wants to bring its heavy hand down by having a, a committee, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be everybody from the same martial art. Right. That's that's it could be karate, kung fu, BJJ, right, wrestling, boxing, you know, whatever. When they have a, a brain trust of people that are working hand in hand, you're going to have you're just more fortified to keep it going. All right. 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 Um, professor, I want to take a quick little break here. I just wanted it to I had hope to be in Placencia this weekend and I would have been sharing some of this great coffee that my friend uh, Josh Pratt, he's from North Carolina. He's been down here in Belize a lot. He has helped us a lot with the community here in in, in Belize. He's a, a BJJ blue belt as well. I, I tease him a lot because he's been a blue belt for like the past five, six years. But, you know, that's a good thing. <laughs> um, I was a blue belt for six years, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, he's, he's, very, he's very technical and, you know, he's very good. And he has been coming here to Belize a lot and helping us. He sent me some of this coffee that he started when the pandemic started as well. It's called Savage Roasters. Um, it's, he has a veteran-owned company. He's also a veteran. Um, and it's nice coffee. It's amazing. I had hoped to share it with you, but we might do that another time when I'm down in Placencia or when you come up here in Belize City. And I just want to give him a shout-out. Thanks for, you know, the coffee, the mug, uh, the shirts. He also sent, sent shirts and and so on for my uh, family. He's not an official sponsor of the podcast yet. He might be, but I just wanted to say thank you, Josh and Savage Roasters for the coffee. Are you a big coffee drinker? I had hoped that we would, um, you know, had some coffee and review. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I would have asked you to leave me a bag, right? Or sit <laughs> Definitely. Sure. I love coffee, man. I drink okay. way too much coffee. I don't think there's a guy who does BJJ who doesn't drink too much coffee. It goes hand in hand, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, professor, to get back to um, what we were discussing, um, I want to take this time to segue into a little bit more about, uh, you know, MMA, because uh, at the end of the day, you know, jiu-jitsu is, um, like we said, um, sort of the roots of MMA, right? Um, I'm a big UFC fan. I know you said you 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 were in the past, um, and to a certain extent, I would like to think that you still um, enjoy watching a good match here and there uh, when it happens. Um, uh, some of the most recent, you know, 
matches have, in my opinion, have been great. You know, even I think it's it's great that the UFC has been able to keep match, matches going during the pandemic and all that. Um, you know, we saw Dustin defeating Connor. You know, which I think was a big shock for everybody. Um, Francis Ngannou is now the heavyweight champ of the world. He's he's from Cameroon originally, uh, via France. Uh, he defeated Stipe Miocic the other day. Um, and there are some great upcoming matches coming up. You know, um, in Belize, uh, we have a little group called the Combat Sports uh, Belize Group. Um, they're big fans of the UFC, you know, so we do have a big following here in Belize. They follow um, a lot of UFC matches, so shout out to them. They also were the ones that also gave me the idea to get started with a little podcast and talk a little bit about, you know, UFC, the MMA. Um, we have some big matches coming. We don't have, a, you know, per se, um, Belizean fighters in the UFC. The closest thing that we have is Belizean American fighters, right? Um, one of them is Marianne Renou. She is um, she's been in the UFC for a while, so um, she is fighting Misha Tate. I don't know if you have um, if you have been um, following or been any any kind of the day, but Misha Tate was you know uh, the ex champ, female uh, bantamweight champion. Um, but she retired, but decided to come back, and she is fighting the Belizean bruiser Marion Renou. Um, so that's you know that's a big match. You know I think everybody in Belize will be following, not only because of uh, Misha Tate and who she was or what she accomplished, but also because it Mar- it's Marion's um, last UFC match. It's the last match of her contract, and uh, you know we're hoping she goes out with a bang. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, um, yeah, I haven't really been following the UFC much since 2014. Um, the I always say to people though, because like I've coached MMA like from from 2009 until 2018, I cornered uh, directly as the main coach too for about 240 MMA fights, and um, around 2014, like my team took off really fast, and around 2014. Um, couple of my guys got had gotten knocked out up to that point and it kind of you know it became like a um uh I, I was inside i wasn't a fan right i love the fans mma fans are fantastic you know the the athletes are incredible you're not going to find many people who respect the athletes more than me i mean i've been back there with them i've seen them go through so much um when or you know when they win the exuberance when they lose the devastation and, you know, after you see a few times as a guy who's behind the scenes as much as I've been, like, you know, for me too, cornering is almost a drug addiction, right? Like, I, um, I love it and I hate it, <laughs> right? Because you get so nervous. Like, you're standing there, man, I would get so nervous. Uh, you know, I wouldn't let my fighters see it, but boy. Um, but when they get knocked out, you get that kind of sting and you, it's not the same. So, yeah, I, I'd watch UFC and see guys get knocked out. I wouldn't be thinking like, oh, wow, what a great knockout that was. I'd just be thinking about the guy that got knocked out, you know, what, what he's got to go through. Because you're back there, um, you know, seeing what they go through and the emotional uh, – turmoil i mean fighters are human beings right like look how people attacked ronda rousey when she lost right it's like this is this is you know this is a human being when they're on that stage like conor mcgregor is he's a big talker he knows what he has to do to make money so people are like oh i hate that guy like man you never met him (laughs) right so (laughs) right and it's you know what that's okay because that's what fans do and that's what makes it popular but i'm not a fan so about this fight here um i i would always say like anytime i'd be watching ufc um, when I was really heavy into it, even now, always watch out when someone's coming back from retirement. They don't come back from retirement to lose, right? They're, they're picking right. and choosing. They're, they see something in that in that fight where they, they think it's a good matchup for them. Like, look right. when uh, George St. Pierre came back to fight Michael Bisping. Like, Bisping, who actually yeah. thought Michael Bisping was going to beat George St. Pierre? Right. right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'm sure there were some, but no, seriously, Bisping couldn't stop him, right? Like the, and that was even out of his weight class. Like when guys come back, um, and in this case, it's a female, it's a former female champ. She's not coming back to lose, right? She's 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 got to she's got to feed something. Something's there's one fight left in her or something like that, and she just wants to get it done. So, you know, I'm in Belize now, so I'm going to be going for the Belizean girl. Um, 
but watch out, right? So. <laughs> I was just going to say, are you going to pick against the Belizeans now? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but it's definitely a great fight, and I hope um, at some point, maybe, you know, in the future, we can sit down, you know, and enjoy and watch some fights. Um, there's a lot of MMA going on, even in the region. Um, we were discussing a little bit earlier, um, you know, looks Fight League is in Mexico. It's a, like a regional promotion that is uh, using... Uh, that is being used as a uh, feeder league for the UFC as well. Um, Diego Lopez was uh, the standout match, as we were discussing, because um, Diego Lopez is, is a friend of ours as well. He's been to Belize. Um, he, to, he, he's the coach of Irene Aldana and a couple other Mexican fighters. And, um, uh, you know, it was great to see that result. He's one step closer to the UFC. Um, uh, you know, he's a BGJ practitioner as well. I think he finished the match with um, an amber, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I got to jump in on that too. I haven't seen an armbar set up like that in an MMA fight and, and finish. Because usually by that point in the fight, the guys are so slippery. Uh, Lopez must have had a real nice nice hug on that glove. Because to, um, you know, to do that armbar straight from the guard... Uh, so hard and it, it, to get especially guys that see when you know MMA started it, there's a lot of style versus style right now it's right. almost everybody all the top people fight the same style now right it's right. Know, wrestling to control on the top Jiu Jitsu is, is a secondary art now to wrestling but it's still the most important art for you to have in, in MMA and I have to talk about this is my feedback I don't know anything about these two guys I just watched the right. fight right. but from my coaching expertise is um, who was the opponent that Lopez beat? What was his name again? Got um, Masio Fulin. So he was an ex UFC fighter as well. Okay. Oh, he fought on the content on the not the contender series, but on um, tough, right? The ultimate right. right. Latin so, America. So um, anyway, the, the way guys fight now, like I always say, like jujitsu is secondary to wrestling right now, but it's. But it's more important to know at first, especially because if you don't know jiu-jitsu, the saying in MMA, if you don't know jiu-jitsu, you're going to lose to it, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, you're going to get caught in something you don't recognize. It was surprising to see that happen the way that did with that armbar from the bottom because that's a very – I mean, he was in the bottom, so it's, he's going to be aggressive. Lopez is going to be aggressive. It's a very smart thing for him to do. He set it up brilliantly. I mean, that was perfect. He's scooping under the leg. He turned the angle great. At first, I thought he was going for a flower sweep, and I'm like, man, you're right? A flower that's sweep. that's what I thought. A, yeah, you're a flower sweep and have a May fight. I want to see this, right? right? Yeah. But um, you know, it's really hard with guys at, at such a high level. I was surprised that um, the other guy didn't have more chest pressure to avoid that armbar because that armbar um, with with a with a really good top player. Is, I'm going to assume that the the his Lopez's opponent um, is mainly a striker, especially seeing the way he was moving around. Mm-hmm. Because on the ground, like he did, you know, it, it just how did how did he leave that arm exposed like that at right. that level? I mean, right. that's not taken back from Lopez. That's great that Lopez exposed that, and, and besides, he executed a perfect technique. I mean, um, so. Yeah, that's 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 my my feedback as an MMA coach. I just it was nice to see that. It was surprising to see that. Which brings me to another point that I want to. So I got to jump in. Yeah, one more time. Sure. Sorry. And what actually happened is is uh, sorry. I'm rewinding in my head watching the fighters. Uh, Buddy stood up to try to pull the arm out to slam him. Right. That kids is why you don't pick a guy up when you have they have you in an armbar and go to slam because you're going to lose your balance and you're going to get armbar. Right, it, it, it tends to make it deeper, right? It, the armbar is deeper when that happens. Yeah, yeah. Lopez yeah. spun it perfectly, so when he stood up, he couldn't hang, he couldn't pull Lopez up. His leverage was too much. Flipped him over, bang, done. Right. right? Which brings me to the other point as I was highlighting. The, um, Lux is a nerd uh, of Mexico League, but more down to the southeast of Mexico, and then Belize and Guatemala. I've seen a lot of development happening and I've had to do and keep track of this because 
um, in my role as an MMA matchmaker for Pro FC, one of my roles is looking at the talent that is in the region. You know, we've had some of those guys come here and compete in Belize. Some of our guys have competed in um, in Mexico, and we've even uh, competed in BJJ in Guatemala as well. I see that the level is is rising rapidly, and in Belize we have to keep up with it, right? So, um, I think. As the years go by, we will be seeing more and more participation of uh, uh, regional MMA getting to that higher level, to that UFC level, or even to the feeder league level looks, you know, LFA, those kinds of leagues. So I'm excited. Um, uh, you know, it's great to see that happening in the region. Um, there is going to be a, a jiu-jitsu competition in Guatemala, and it's it's it's... Uh, scheduled for April 17, and we're going to have some Belizeans participate in that. Um, I have been to Guatemala to compete, and it's 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 when it comes to BJJ, it's a very high level jiu-jitsu that these guys are are doing. You know, obviously they've had a head start over Belize for you know a number of years, and they have Gracie schools over there, and they have uh, you know certified black belts. Um, I'm going to share a little video of the uh, of the event that is happening in Guatemala, um, and some of the Belizeans that will be participating in that event. No? and I stopped it there just to give you a, a, a shot at the guys that are competing, that are representing Belize. Um, They're called the Belize Dark Arts Academy. Um, they are very uh, ten planet centric. They're, they, you know, they're, they're, they do a lot of nogi and they're based um, here in Belize City as well, but they have been practicing a lot of nogi jiu-jitsu and they're competing uh, on April 17th. So, you know, from my end, I wish them all the best. There's Ronald Hyde, Ben Marshall, and I forgot the young lady's name. I think it's Ariane. They are competing in Belize uh, on a April 17th. So, you know, they are representing Belize as such. Um, and uh, we wish them all the best, right? Yeah, I mean, good luck to them. Um... You know, it's, it's, I'm sure it's been pretty hard to train right now, so it's, uh, you know, but the thing is, is, is this a sub-only tournament or is it a points-based tournament? It is, it is a sub-only tournament. Um, I have, I've, I've been there in the past and I know that in the past we have done um, gi matches. When I went there, um, um, I, I did a gi match. These guys are doing no gi, but the format is sub-only where it's a 10-minute match. And if there is no sub, then it's considered a draw. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's 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 the way to do. Uh, that's the way to do sub only. I was a bit traumatized back in my purple belt years. It wasn't me. It was one of my students, um, Andrew Shays. I, he's just he was my right hand man with my business. I absolutely love this guy. He's a black belt now. The dude's a you know pro MMA fighter. He's a fantastic person. An incredible fighter, great jiu-jitsu practitioner, great teacher. Um, Andrew, uh, he was a blue belt, and uh, he had a fight. It was a sub-only tournament in Pennsylvania. We were fighting that night. I was a, it was a team MMA uh, fight, not like a team's fighting each other, but you know, lightweight versus lightweight, featherweight, featherweight, right? And um, so the daytime was a sub-only tournament. We're not even sure how long it took. He was fighting a guy named Dan Swift. Swift was a uh, brown belt, and I think he fought the UFC at some point. And Andrew was a blue belt, and this just tells you the skill of Andrew. And um, right. Andrew beat him. It was a double elimination. Andrew's first match beat the not Swift, but beat another guy in like six seconds. Next match, um, he had to fight Swift, beat him in 45 minutes, got him with a triangle choke. Then fought another guy, took just 
cruised with the guy to get his breath back, beat the guy in like 30 minutes. Then he had to fight Swift again at the final. We don't even... The, it, the match was so long. It probably was a world record. Just nobody nobody timed <laughs> it. Because it, what it was, it was... All right. Um, 30 minute round and then at the end of 30 minutes stop and then like a 20 minute round and then stop and then after that was every 5 minutes there would be a stop like they would stop and then if I was on top and I had the choice last time then my opponent gets to choose whether he wants right. to top or bottom and the then I get to choose top or bottom whatever. 5 minutes, 5 minutes, 5 minutes, 5 minutes it was so much they had to change refs because the ref was exhausted and they're not even doing anything in the sub only right they're just trying to make sure right. someone doesn't and right. um, I was coaching. I was. It was so bad. Andrew had to put his fingers on the mat. It was Noki. At, the, at the one point, he had to take his fingers and straighten them out on the mat because his grips were so bad. We think wow. it was an hour and fifty. <laughs> it was an hour and fifty minutes when Andrew finally armbarred him. Like he, he dominated Swift the whole time. Like he, if there was points, right. Andrew probably won the match like ten thousand right. to zero. But right. man, like Swift was just getting out of everything. He was. He's a brown belt. He was an escape artist. He was getting out of everything. And Andrew right. finally caught that bar on him. So I was traumatized from uh, sub only for that. But with the ten minutes, that's that's how that's how it yeah. should be done. Like we do we do one up in on uh, up in Canada called the Canadian Sub X. I announce it, and uh, that's how we do it there. And it's makes makes for a much shorter night than uh, unlimited time for submissions. Right, definitely. And the other thing um, and that I can tell you um, is that competing in Guatemala is no joke because of the altitude. You know. Um, when I was training for to, to, to go there, you know, we were rolling 10-minute rounds, you know, back-to-back. Back. We were doing um, an hour straight, you know, of 10-minute rounds here in Belize. When I got there, <laughs> the first two, three minutes, and I, I was tired because of the altitude, you know. It was something different for me. It was something that I hadn't experienced before. Um, um, well, that's not just, just the al- that's not just the altitude, though. There's a thing in uh, BJJ that happens, and I'm going to teach you something here. The, this goes for anybody who competes. Like you, the altitude obviously does interfere. Right. right? Like we, we did the JJIF Worlds in 2017 in Colombia, Bogota. And it's 8,500 feet, and you know, most mostly actually all the Canadians who are competing it in it were from Ontario because it was long story the reason why we just had to get Canada approved. Um, we all live near the Great Lakes, so we're, we're only about 400 feet above, uh, above sea level. But when you train for a tournament, right, you put in the rounds, you put in the rounds, you put in the rounds, your cardio is great. And this inevitably happens to any competitor. Um, I've competed hundreds of times. I, I've trained, I, like, I train super hard. You start the match, 10 seconds in, you're exhausted. Why? Mm-hmm. Right, why? Adrenaline dump, I would say. What's that? Sorry, the adrenaline dump. A little bit. It's an unfamiliar okay. opponent. See, that's 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 mm-hmm. why I love jujitsu competition, because mm-hmm. people like you can go, to, you can be in the gym all the time, and you could do great against you know your training partners, right? You're you're in your comfort zone. You feel really good, and um, you feel you seem like you have an endless amount of energy. Like you know, when you do your first round, you get pretty winded a little earlier on and by your fifth round you're not as bad right like you're just you're just going through it well what it is is unfamiliar opponents so you're nervous the adrenaline dump not to mention this person's not moving in a familiar way so your reactions are a little stiffer your grips are a little are a little stiffer you're grabbing tighter you're um you know you're moving a little quicker it's just that that extra level of competition Right, that that it brings people to, and it's a good thing. So if you go, if you're if you're not tired, it that's that's shocking. Like I've like I've had top top end athletes come out of my academy, and everybody gets tired. It's just the you know that um, that first match is always the one that makes you most tired. The, it's the unfamiliar opponent, the unfamiliar surroundings, and that's why competition is such a great thing because it takes you out of your comfort zone. You don't have right. to compete ever in jujitsu, but when you're out of your comfort zone, you're going to find that happens. Does that, right. does that, answer, does that make sense to you? <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That explains it a lot to me because that's exactly what happened when I went to compete to Guatemala. If, if you don't mind, if you were up to it, I can share the little clip I have of that video as we talk along. Um, sure. And you can see what happened to me there. 
Um, it was it was my it was my debut as a purple belt. Um, I I can remember that still. Um, let me see if there's a way to mute the audio so that the audio doesn't interfere. Right, and that's exactly what happened to me. I re I realized now when you say, you know, I thought it was just the adrenaline dump and it was the um, um, the the altitude, right? I'm I'm the guy in in well, we're both in white, but I'm I'm the guy in this this area here. Um, and my opponent is uh, he was a purple belt here. He is a purple belt. Uh, for four years, he had been a purple belt at that point for four years, you know, I, I was still, you know, this was my debut, I was maybe, I had been promoted like a month or so ago. Um, I got tired really, really quick, but afterwards I realized that what was happening was that um, I was trying to pass his guard, you know, I was going heavy pressure, trying to get there, trying to get there, and I did pass, I think there's, that's one uh, time I passed, I did pass, um, we were reset, brought up forward, and then I passed again, but I quickly noticed that, you know, whoa, this guy is recovering guard really well, you know, um, and he's recovering guard uh, quickly. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, even though I pass, if it was a points tournament, I might not be able, not be getting the points, right? Because I'm not keeping him in control. And now that you say it, I realize it, you know what? That's what happened to me. It was an unfamiliar opponent. You know, I wasn't used to his style. I wasn't. I didn't know how he rolls. I didn't. Um, I didn't. You know, I hadn't been exposed to that style previously. You know, um, in Belize we have a lot of good guys and some are good guard players, but I hadn't been exposed to that level of you know guard retention and recovery. So that's yeah, and, and and competition also brings out another part of you where. The, the 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 internal mind game that's that's my favorite part of competing is that internal mind game because you're you're battling you know your opponent is it, 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 they're almost not even really there you, it, you're 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 fighting yourself so you're going for these passes and things you know what's going through your head is you know it, it's well can I hold this do I have the pass do I want to hold this man and I'm pretty open with stuff because I know what athletes go through. You you didn't have ideas in your head like, do right. I want this pass, right? These things make you tired. Right. Do I want this pass? You know, like I'll think it, it's it's actually a crutch of mine in tournaments where I'll get through a couple of rounds and then that third round, you know, I think to myself, well, I get this pass. I'm going to win this match. Do I want to win this match because I'm tired, right? Even though right. like you don't quit, like I've, I've never given up. You don't quit. It's just – those thoughts, they, 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 they come in your head. And does this make sense to you again? Right. So exactly what happened to me right there again, if you, if you, if you saw the clip, I don't, I'm not sure if you saw what happened. I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to win this match, you know? So at that point, it was either, you know, trying to just stall it out for the draw or going for something. What happened was, if, I don't know if you realize there, I went... I tried to go for um, what's called a helicopter armbar, so to speak. So I, I did a tamanagi, what's called a tamanagi in judo, and then um, um, tried the armbar, but I didn't have it right. I made a mistake, and my opponent capitalized on that, and that's when he submitted me. Yeah, he blew past your guard, I'm assuming. When you dropped for the tamanagi, he he probably got a nice grip just above your knee, pulled the leg through on a leg drag and got by your guard, correct? That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened, right? And it's 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 what you were saying happened to me. I was like, am I gonna win this match? You know, at that point, obviously, I was tired already. I was blowing hard. I had tried to pass his guard. I did pass. I was not able to establish control. So, I was at a point exactly like you explained, fighting yeah. myself. Yeah, and understand. I mean, it sounds corny, but you didn't really lose. Yeah, you. you 
you never lose when you do a tournament like this. And that's right. one of the things that people have to take to lift that stress off of themselves about the competition. Because it actually stops people from, from competing because they get, I mean, I, I've fallen for that too. I don't, I don't know if there's a competitor out there who hasn't had that happen, right? Where you, um, the fact that you step on the mats to fight, that's a victory. Because right. all the things that you had to do, and this is why, again, why competition is such a great thing, is all the things you had to do to prepare for that tournament. Win or lose, you came out of that tournament better at jiu-jitsu than you were before you even trained for it. Most definitely. definitely. Right? And you knew more about yourself. And that's why afterwards, even if you do lose, like you didn't throw the match, you just made a bad decision, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the, that's why you feel so good even after you lose sometimes, like you go out and you have that, that meal. Like I'm in the right place. If I go to Guatemala ever to compete, I mean, I'm in the right area or Mexico because that's right. what it, my, my post-competition celebration meal is Mexican food. <laughs> I, 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 I love eating Mexican food except for when I'm in Vegas because I stay at, at, for the World Masters, I stay at the Westgate and they've got foot-long hot dogs. And oh, I, wow. <laughs> Man, they have that tournament at the end of August in the summertime, and I, hot dogs. I love hot dogs. That means I'm cutting weight all summer. I don't keep eating hot dogs. Last in 2019, after I fought, I I had four feet of hot dogs in me, <laughs> like, like like two hours after the event. But that's but that's just and that and that, that's just you know you went through all the steps to do it. Right. So you should never walk out of a tournament sad. If you do. Right. Um, yeah, there's disappointment when you have, you know, when it's a high-level tournament and maybe you made a bad decision. But, um, you know, it's, it's you know, you have to rewind and t tell yourself, like, the whole process, that's the victory. Right. And, and you know, if I, uh, what was in my mind after that was, oh, if I had only had, uh, you know, if I only had gotten that armbar right, <laughs> you know, it would have probably been a highlight reel, you know. Um, well, but, man, you could have loop choked him right at the beginning when you were standing over him. If you only got that loop choke. Right, right, <laughs> right. So, yeah, and that's what was going through my mind and playing through my mind. So, yeah, definitely, I, I understand where you're coming from. It's a mind game, you know. I, I just want to say uh, to the guys, I wish them all the best, right, Ronald, Ben, and the young lady, Ariane, I think is her name that go out there to compete like you said there there are winners the, the moment they decide to step on the mat and win just enjoy the process that's all you can't control what happens when that match begins you right. control the process right professor we are heading almost close to the hour um so to wrap up our uh, i just wanted to ask you what are your future plans i know that you have mentioned to me that you plan on opening an academy in placentia um I don't know if you're at the stage where you want to share a little bit with us about, you know, what your future plans are in regards to the opening of your academy and eventually, you know, working uh, with the Belizean uh, Jiu-Jitsu community. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, like you said, with COVID, you were a little bit burned out. Um, my side of things is um, the size of my academy that I had and the responsibility, the expenses. I mean, we were in a mall, it was a 10,000 square foot facility with a 24 hour gym. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, not COVID, don't worry. <laughs> but um, but it, the responsibilities of running that and having all those students interacting with all those people, paying all those bills, I mean, it does become a job. And I, I had become um, a little disillusioned with it, not because my academy wasn't successful. not It was just such hard work. I mean, it was 13 hours a day just running the business, right? So um, <clears throat> my plans here, my corporation is approved. Uh, it's going to be about Focus Martial Arts University. And, um, you know, it's, you know, I'm planning on keeping it a little bit small. I think uh, I'll do some affiliates here we're in a couple other cities and uh, do some seminars, gradings, that type, because yeah, there's a black belt here so people can get can get promoted um i'm very strict though and um you know and just i, I want to keep my academy a little bit smaller and i just i want to run an academy and just just love jujitsu purely again not have to be stressing out i'm probably going to be putting it beneath my house once my house is built because i don't want to be paying 
the ridiculous rents like I used to pay. I don't think they'd be that high here in Belize, but it's still something I don't want to do. It's all equivalent with the market. I I, I, mm-hmm. I want to just be a professor of jiu-jitsu as in my work, not, you know, and obviously do the fitness and weight loss stuff that I do as well because I tie it all together. Um, teach Muay Thai, you know, you know, just the purity of martial arts, self-defense, and... Um, on the other side of it, that'll open up some time where I can help the community. Like, we can get some good quality referees so we can start running good tournaments, mm-hmm. get some more academies mm-hmm. open, um, get more people excited about Brazil. Like, it, man, it is, it is such a great martial art. Like, it's you, you really you practice Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you'll know how to defend yourself. There's no doubt about it. There's no question because mm-hmm. you practice, it's only practice against resistance. It's great for your fitness. It's great for personal development because everybody, everybody who's ever done jujitsu, um, you got to leave that ego at the door, otherwise you're going to pay for it, right? It's right. people don't target you; it's your yep. ego is going to get you in trouble, um, you know. And just uh, it, 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 you, you make friends, like you, you make some of these people are lifelong friends. I've got some great friends from jujitsu. I know from like up in Ontario. I know a lot of them are like, "What happened to Chris? Or what's he doing? Did he go crazy?" Right. Like, <laughs> that's the thing with COVID like everybody's been everybody's been you know having to take care of their families first and you know yeah. sooner or later things will level like there's been so many academies up in Ontario closed mine being one of them um you know it's uh, I'm just I'm just looking forward to just purely loving jiu-jitsu again and having some great students I totally get where you're coming from and I I hope that uh you know we can get to train together. Um, obviously, the distance might be a little bit of a challenge, right? But I am committing myself um, to the same thing that you said, just loving martial arts again, loving jiu-jitsu again. Uh, you know, I, I decided, and I, I spoke to you a little bit about this, I decided that I'm not, I'm not going to continue teaching at the very minimum until I'm, uh, uh, you know, brown or even black belt if I can. And the reason behind that is not just because um uh, I don't think I'm a good teacher, but I, 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 like I said, pandemic showed me a lot of things. One of the things that it showed me was that uh, my game, my personal game, my personal development was suffering because I was focusing so much on teaching and helping others and doing a million other things, right? Um, running, MMA events, you know, matchmaking, this and logistics. Um, so I want to get back to that, uh, to, to being a, a student. I want to get back to learning. I want to get back to, you know, being a good purple belt. Well, that's, you know, uh, we discussed this when we first met a little bit, right, right. with your um, with your development. Um, you know, I know firsthand what it's like, and, you know, being that I was a blue belt when I opened my academy. Like, I was a black belt, but not in Brazilian, right? So right. I was a blue belt in Brazilian, and um, I hadn't even found, when I first opened, I hadn't even found my 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 professor because I was like I said I was with uh, Hoyler Gracie David Adiv which was great um, it's just I, I wanted something that fit me more and I wanted a new coach uh, and I met Professor Salvosa and he and I clicked great and um, he's a smaller guy too like I'm 155 pounds uh, you know when I'm heavy right and Omar is like 145 right so it 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 was nice to see that perspective and but i do i do hope to see you still teach because belize needs teachers right and like i'm here i'm gonna you know help people with their teaching and get it better but maybe not take on so much on your side israel but uh i encourage you to to teach right to try maybe twice a week keep it small um belize needs teachers and we can't grow the art without the teachers right so um you know, you, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, and if that's your if that's your choice, that's your choice. That's okay, you're right. But um, yeah, we need we need to develop some uh, jujitsu instructors and purple belt. You know, in places like Ontario, opening up a school as a purple belt is the even the IBJJF doesn't like that now. Well, right. extra extra strict, right? But because mm-hmm. there's so many black belts, right? Like, right. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got my black belt, I was the beginning of, you know, shall we say, the, the third wave. <laughs> I was the beginning 
of a massive wave of new black belts in Ontario just because of the time when I got mine. It was, um, you know, there was, there was only like maybe 10 really recognizable black belts. And then the next wave happened and that was up to like 90. And then, then my wave happened and then we're up to like 200. And then about six months after me, bang, like there was a whole bunch more. Everybody's legit. It's just, that's the time it takes, right? Like Marcus brought BJJ to Canada in 1996, 1997. It wasn't, I got my black belt in 2017. Yeah, 2017. So that was 20 years development before, right. and that was, and I was just at the beginning of the next explosion where now Ontario's got, like my academy alone, prior to me having to close it, had four black belts, right? I had two black belts, um, who, well, two who were under me before, you know, they, they started their own academy and their black belts under another affiliation now. Um, another one of my guys um, opened his own academy and uh, he's gotta be a black belt by now. I, I the, But these, you know, like that's just what happens, right? So. Um, Without teachers, we can't do it. Right, right. I I agree with you. I agree with you. It's just you, like I said, the pandemic has you know showed me a lot of things that I think, you know, I I didn't see before. You know, um. Well, for me, that's it. Closing off. I don't know if you have any final thoughts or any final um um, um things that you would like to share. I know uh, that I'm hoping that in the future we can do this. You know, together. Uh, live in studio, um, uh, you know, we might discuss more, uh, more deeper topics, maybe some coaching tips from yourself, you know, how to keep training sustainable, how to keep yourself going, you know, that's one area where I think I've, I fell off really bad with this pandemic, you know, just <laughs> stressed out eating and not really, you know, taking care of myself the way that I probably should. And I think a lot of people are in my shoes as well. So it's going to be a tough 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 start when everything gets going back again well just remember like my last thing i guess to say is you, we can see things it's going to be hard or it's a great opportunity right like because you know this is almost a uh, for lack of a better word it's a it's a reset um, right i don't like to say that because of things happening internationally but um it's a, it is a reset it's a chance uh you know you people could take covid and look at it like this is the worst thing ever i mean I had to close an academy that I had opened for almost 13 years and I sunk everything, like everything into it. Like I, I you know, right. for me and my wife, it was our original kid. Like I hated when people would leave. I hated when they go yeah. to their academy. And yeah. It was very hard emotionally on us because it was um, every time someone would leave or join and quit, whatever, it was like we were going to lose our house, right? Because there's so much right. stress. Mm -hmm. um, COVID got us to realize, you know, like we, we've, We've got to simplify a little bit and enjoy our lives. We were just getting there uh, before COVID. It was really sucked because that's when we we, um, we already had Andrew as a black belt. And then Mitch and Gregory were going to get their black belts very, very soon. Uh, that's the other two black belts in my academy. And my, my wife, I mean, by all means, uh, you know, she, she's definitely gotten to the point where she could get her black belt. I just can't give it to her. Right. So right. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a three-stripe yet. So, um, but... Uh, and she, she could get it. And that's the thing with the pen. She was pregnant, so I couldn't even roll with my wife. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, I'm just leave it at that, right? Like you would see it as a new beginning, right? A chance to look at the way we did things in the past or the way you did things in the past and correct those, but follow through because it's, as humans, we have a bad habit of yeah. going back to our old patterns, right? So right. Like, like I said, MMA, cornering MMA is like a drug addiction to me. I, I retired from it in 2018. Um, I will train MMA fighters, but I don't intend on spending much time other than teaching them jiu-jitsu, right? And, and maybe mm -hmm. some Muay Thai. I don't want to be sitting in the corner, right? I don't right. want to be dealing with uh, with all of that. Maybe just some tips here and there, and that's that's about it, right? Like support them, but not um, not uh, get go go back down that that rabbit hole again. I got you. I got you. I understand completely. Professor, I want to thank you for your time. You know, I mean, the hour went really fast, I think. Um, I appreciate you coming on board and sharing your thoughts with the, not just me, but the wider community as well. Um, and I look forward to doing this again with you sometime. Yeah, I look forward to it. And I'm excited to get BJJ rocking here in Belize as well. Again.
All right. Well, that's it for me. Thank you very much and goodbye.